in the midst of a pandemic? Are companies still paying attention to environmental and social issues? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. With most of the world in the grip of a deep recession, it's understandable that many companies are putting all of their energies into merely surviving the pandemic. But that's no excuse for abandoning efforts to create sustainable and socially aware supply chains. So, have they taken their eye off the ball? On this episode, I welcome back to the podcast Pierre-Francois Thaler, CEO and co-founder of Ecovatis, to talk about the major advances, or not, in corporate sustainability initiatives that we can expect in 2021. Turns out they haven't been forgotten after all, but the economic fallout of COVID-19 threatens to put well-intentioned social practices to the test. Let's find out where we are and where we still have to go in achieving responsible and sustainable supply chains. Here is my conversation with Pierre-Francois Thaler. Pierre-Francois Thaler, welcome back to the show. Hi, Bob. Pleased to be back here. I want to talk about major trends in sustainability expected in the coming year. What kinds of corporate and social initiatives you expect to see? What are the big priorities out there? What, just in a broad sense, occurs to you as what are the big themes and actions that you expect to see in the coming year in the area of sustainability? The three mega trends or the three mega challenge, I think, are in a society and planet is facing, either around the climate will be number one, biodiversity, number two, and on the social side, rising inequalities. And of course, you have plenty of other topics, water, waste, uh, forced labor, and so on. But when I look at the one which are maybe the really top challenges on top of the agenda of many chief sustainability officers or governments, I would give those three. I would think climate and biodiversity collapse are very closely related as well. They're both environmental issues. So let's talk about those. In the area of climate... Where do you expect the big initiatives to be this year? Do you see that companies are starting to move in that direction or not move in that direction? I mean, what do you think is going to happen in terms of efforts to address climate and global warming and climate change? But we're seeing first some positive change on the government side. The big announcement two months ago was China deciding to join the Paris Agreement, which was a very positive surprise. We expect the United States to be back now in a couple of weeks. So that's positive. Now, corporates have been acting a lot. We saw major announcements this year from uh, companies like uh, Microsoft, Amazon, uh, L'Oreal, Unilever, all announcing they were going carbon neutral in the next 10 to 15 years. But I think now the biggest trend going forward is going to be on supply chain and on what is called Scope 3. Scope 3 is basically uh, carbon emissions networks of companies, either upstream or downstream. And companies realize that 80% or more of their carbon emissions are linked to Scope 3 or are linked to supply chain. And we see today, next year, we are 2021, I think will be the year where we see a really ramp up of those supply chain decarbonization initiatives. Explain to me a little bit more about Scope 3. What organization or body developed the various scopes and how long has that been in progression? 
The methodology was defined by the greenhouse gas protocol a couple of years ago. Scope one are carbon emissions related to the fuel and the direct emissions you have in your own operations, which so mainly for uh, manufacturing companies. Scope two is related to electricity. So it's uh, electricity you buy and the emissions are generated by the power producers. Scope three is everything else. So if you are Unilever, scope one is only the fuel in your factory is pretty limited. Electricity is also uh, relatively limited. What is really massive is carbon emissions related to raw materials, growing crops and transport, packaging and so on. So indirect carbon emissions. Right, right. Okay. So scope three, do you, so you actually feel that organizations, corporations, global multinationals will be making a true, sincere, and constructive effort toward adopting Scope 3 emission guidelines in the coming year? will not happen overnight. You still have lots of challenges in uh, measuring this, implementing this. So you know, I'm not saying it's going to be an easy journey. But yes, we used to see companies saying we commit to reduce our own internal emissions. But everyone understands now that it's only 10 or 20% of the problem. So now the bar set up by investors, for example, when they look at companies, is in what are you doing in all the emissions related to your supply chain? And it's kind of a race to the top when Unilever takes ambitious commitments on supply chain decarbonization, it's pushing Mars or Nestlé or Mondelez to follow, plus probably some carbon, some regulations. So one which is in discussion in Europe now is called carbon tax for imports. It's looking at the carbon imported or embedded carbon of products imported from countries where carbon emissions are much higher. So government will also make sure that companies are not able to outsource carbon emissions by just buying products overseas and offshoring the carbon emissions in a way. Do you think that with the global coronavirus pandemic, that a number of companies have become so busy addressing the challenges of that, merely surviving, that to some extent they might have at least temporarily taken their eye off the ball with regards to sustainability efforts, dialed those back a little bit while they're worried about this other thing? Is, is that happening at all? That was our concern in March when we saw the crisis happening. I remember what happened in, Mar- in 2008 when we started Ecovedis, and that was the peak of the previous economic crisis. And in 2008, 2009, you're right, CPOs didn't really care anymore about sustainability and CSR and the supply chain. The only concern was survival of their suppliers. What happened this year was really different. We've seen the opposite. We've seen companies maintaining and for many accelerating their sustainability programs. Bain uh, Consulting just released a a survey of C-levels of large companies saying that uh, only 15% of companies decided to decrease their sustainability investment, and more than 50% decided to maintain or increase. That's what we see also as Ecovedis. From April onwards, a significant acceleration of the business, I would say, all around the world, specifically in the U.S. The number of companies joining our network in the U.S. has a more than doubled compared to last year. And the way we explain this is, I think you have three reasons. The first one is when you look at what happened on the financial markets and the incredible resilience and performance of sustainability stocks or companies which are good performers on the 
ESG, as it's called, or CSR. The financial markets realized that sustainability was something which was also a good strategy for resilience in tough times. It was not only a luxury for rich companies in good times. So you have a huge inflows of billions and billions of dollars in ESG funds in the past couple of months. That's the first driver. And second driver, when it comes to supply chain sustainability, supply chain risk really got to the top of the agenda. Companies learned the hard way in March, April and May than those who did not have a sustainable supply chain or resilient supply chain or suppliers were prepared to address health and safety crisis like, like the one we faced in the past couple of months. They were doing far worse than those who were prepared. So uh, you have a huge push for sustainable finance uh, investments in a uh, what is called ESG, environmental, social and governance funds, plus importance of supply chain risks. Those are good signs. I'm wondering to what extent, though, have we seen globally reduced carbon emissions as a result of reduced economic activity because of the pandemic and because of a global recession? Might we confuse that with the results of efforts by companies to cut back on carbon emissions. No, you're right. But we will see in 2020 a significant reduction in global carbon emissions. I think it's in the range of 5%, but that's linked to lockdown and that's linked to uh, temporary travel bans and all this stuff. So there will be a bounce back. And to give you an order of magnitude of what needs to be achieved in the next 10 years to reach the objective of the Paris Climate Agreement, we need to reduce by roughly 5% a year. So it means an, an incremental uh, COVID impact every year. Not through mm-hmm. COVID, of course, but through uh, energy efficiency and real carbon reductions. We look back at a 5% decrease this year. We certainly cannot pat ourselves on the back and say that we've done a good job taking action against it. It's because of reduced economic activity, not exactly. because of not because yeah. proactive activity on the part of organizations. So I guess on top of the return of economic activity following the pandemic, once it subsides, then I guess companies are going to have to enact real change, real progress in order to reach those Paris Accord levels, yeah, I guess. I, I still think that some of the carbon savings we've seen this year will be locked in a way because companies have learned to operate in a different way. And, and I will take the example of what Ecovadis is doing. We received lots of calls in April, May from Customers, we used to have on-site audit programs and we're flying EHS auditors all over the planet to audit factories. They realized that it was not possible anymore, you know, to inspect factories or, or shipments and they need to move to more digital ways of remotely monitoring factories' performance. So this mm-hmm. shift to digital, which Ecovadis benefited from, that's something which will last. I don't think that in 2021, companies will start to fly again people all over the planet to uh, visit factories, even if COVID is uh, completely gone. So uh, some of the biggest step change or big acceleration we had in uh, integration of digital in particular will still bring benefits in the coming years. I want to ask you specifically about blockchain, because it's my understanding that you feel that blockchain is due to lose some of its supply chain oriented luster in 2021 as with regard to supply chain management and sustainability. Do you believe that is the case? And if so, why? It has lost already a bit of the luster. The peak of expectations from what we see was more a couple of years ago. I remember the Economist title in 2015, I think it was Blockchain to Trust Engine, something like that. Mm -hmm. And 2014, indeed 2015, there were lots of questions, lots of uh, interest from customers on blockchain. 
we've seen hundreds or thousands of pilots and experiments and uh, proof of concept and so on. A number of initiatives are probably working in specific commodities or specific in a very targeted ways, but generally we've not seen the adoption or the success which was expected. What I often see is service providers or companies using blockchain as a technological wrapper to give some marketing appeal to their product, but we're not seeing the success we were hoping for or we are expecting. I'm talking about supply chain sustainability use case. If you talk about finance and digital currencies, that's a totally different story, of course. But we have seen some pilots that claim to have some measure of success in tracing the provenance of certain raw materials, like palm oil, like vanilla, things like that, which go straight to the issue of sustainability and global inequality and environmental concerns. But you're saying that those haven't scaled enough to make that much of a difference or that those are being yes, oversold? No, the challenge we see, indeed, is moving from pilots to really uh, large-scale usage. You have a website called the Positive Blockchain. They track all uh, sustainability-related blockchain initiatives. You have, you have hundreds of those. Still lots of experiments going on, lots of proof of concepts, and that's good because we're still learning. But very often, the challenge is not in the technology. The challenge is, for example, one of the use cases of blockchain is multi-tier transparency, being able to understand what suppliers of suppliers of suppliers and suppliers are, are, are doing. Uh-huh. That's a typical blockchain use case. The fundamental problem with this type of initiative is business incentive. What is the incentive for your suppliers to ask their suppliers? And and what is the incentive for your suppliers to ask their suppliers to ask their suppliers? (laughs) The deeper you go, the lower the business incentives to participate. And blockchain is not changing anything about that. That's a problem which needs to be addressed in a different way than by uh, having a different tool, which is by the way, it's often more complicated or slow or more difficult to use than a simple web platform. But there are other efforts out there, other alternatives that allow for supplier engagement, for better supplier collaboration, for better visibility across multi-tiers that don't involve blockchain, I assume? Yes, we're seeing a number of those. One of the approach that Ecovadis took a couple of years ago was to say that if you wanted to access to visibility to tier three or tier four, rather than try to drill in a supply chain, it was better to build constant recall circles. So progressively push tier one suppliers to embed this and have their own sustainable program program. And then the following year, having tier two suppliers starting to have their own sustainable program program and do it for their own benefit, rather than trying in a couple of weeks to go from tier one to tier 10. This works. We see industry initiatives working. We support a number of sector initiatives, such as Together for Sustainability in the Chemical Sector, or the Responsible Beauty Initiative in the Cosmetic Sectors. In those initiatives, you have different tiers. You have a large critical mass, so you're creating a kind of a industry standard, and, and then you start to have visibility in the, in the lower tiers. So we see the solution being more in a business than having a technology-changing oh. thing. Well, it's it's interesting because despite all the dire warnings we're hearing now about global warming, about how we only have a few years to go before we have to take action to prevent irreversible damage to our environment and also continuing inequalities that you mentioned that we see out there in supply chains. And yet 
it sounds to me like you are something of an optimist, that you do see progress being made in 2021. Would it be fair to say that? How to say, I think I've seen more change and more acceleration of corporate practices in 2020 that I've seen in the previous 12 years since we started Ecovalis. The type of commitments from companies, the type of engagements we see makes me optimist. At the same time, those changes, particularly climate, you have a long inertias and it takes a long time to reverse the trend. The science is uh, against us. The inertia of the climate change that we've already initiated is against us. But yes, from what's changing in business, quite optimistic seeing what happened this year, which was the year where everything could have stopped and quite the opposite happened. Well, it's good to hear. And let us hope that uh, organizations around the world are keeping their eye on the ball. I know that Icovatis will be there to rate their sustainability uh, performance, providing a very valuable service to companies globally. Pierre-Francois Taylor, always great to have you on the show and to hear your insights into this crucial issue. Thanks again for being with me today. Really appreciate it. And thanks, Bob, for covering this very important topic and raising the awareness on sustainable supply chains. That was my conversation with Pierre-Francois Taylor of Ecovadis, talking about supply chain sustainability in 2021. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time.